Uh, Scott, are you there? Let's kick it off. Um, um, I don't really want to focus on the markets today. And is a comment you put in the group, like October kicked off with a pump. Um, so again, I'm, I'm horrible at price predictions, et cetera. So, so maybe you can give us a quick overview on what you mean by that. If there's, you know, if, what do you take out of it? Is it, is it bullish for the month? Maybe go to the rest of the panel. Sure, I mean, October, obviously, is historically sort of the beginning of a good month. We talked about how September was likely to be bad. That did end up being the case. And then we talked about how October can be, quote, unquote, October, which has become a bit of a meme and perhaps a self-fulfilling prophecy. But if you look back in past years, this is not really a crazy thing to see happening. Nothing really happened in 2022, if I, if I recall. But 2021, I remember, you know, literally the clock struck October 1st, the calendar changed and Bitcoin went from 43,000 to 48,000 in a day. The year before that, I think it had a 7 or 10% move right on October 1st. And then this year, October 1st, obviously, we're seeing this move up. Um, really encouraging, I think, to see Bitcoin holding that 25 thousand level so clearly a support now attacking that twenty eight thousand five six hundred level that gareth and i had ran we've all spoken about many times i mean it's my view right now there's basically two ranges that bitcoin's likely to trade in for quite a while and that's that 25 to 28.5 and then 28.5 to 31 so if we can bump up into that next range i think it's very encouraging but i think it's more encouraging to see that we know that Bitcoin has become historically uncorrelated to stocks over the past 12 months, going from basically a 0.8 correlation, the closer to one is more correlated, all the way down to like 0.07, I think, uh, last time I just saw it. And that was before we just saw you know, the dollar ripping today, yields ripping today, stocks likely to feel pressure, and Bitcoin shrugging it off and sort of rising up to 28,600. So, uh, you know, 28,500 area. So I think there's just a lot to be encouraged about that we're seeing this move right now in this environment. Right, I just want to say, I, I just want to say, I was right and Ben Cowan was wrong for a change. <laughs> dominance is still rising, though. <laughs> yeah, do- dominance is rising, but but uh, in the beginning of September, he said the Bitcoin was going to close down to twenty. I said not a chance. Bitcoin's going up. So I mean, this is one of the rare times that I'm right and he's wrong. So just let me have the moment. You got to take me it. Celebrate it. Let me. You got to take it. I can. I can feel the sun it. shining on your head right now. A little extra clouds yeah. parting. It's kind of like the Lion King. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Noel. I, th- I, th- I think. Look, oh, I think markets. I think markets are designed to 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 um to do the opposite of, of what everybody's thinking, and everybody called September down really, really, really badly, you know. And here we are at the end of September. Mario, if I could jump in with something, pulling on what Scott was saying there. And by the way, hi everybody, great to be here with you. I do have to hop off. Minutes. Apologies for that. But I do want to say that one big thing that the move that we saw over the weekend and we are continuing to see today. Your mic, uh, Noel, your, your mic is, um, uh, I think it's wind or, or echo, not echo, it's just under oh, your shirt. I, actually, maybe. I have the window open because it's a gorgeous day here. I will fix that. There we go. Ah, so cool, much for nice it. weather, right? Um, um, yeah, the, the game owner now. Anyway, the big thing that we're that the move signals is that there is some investor interest. We've seen sharp moves up often, generally, and especially given the timing yesterday, it looks like it was probably a short squeeze. Again, we've seen a lot of those. We have always seen the crypto market correct after them, sometimes right away, sometimes gradually, but they always it always has come back to its previous level. Not this time. This time, one of the rare occasions I've seen it continue to go up at an increasing slope. 
as well, that does signal new interest is continuing to come in. And that signal is what we have been waiting for to bring in more liquidity, to entice the market makers back into the market. When they come back into the market, liquidity will go up and that will entice new investor interest, which will entice more liquidity, which will entice new investor interest and so on and so on. But this is what we've been waiting for. There are macro headwinds still, they could still come down, but this is kind of the mood switch we've been waiting for. Yeah, no, well, nothing, nothing uh, makes prices go higher than higher prices, right? <laughs> absolutely, especially in crypto, where, where price is the best PR tool the ecosystem has, unfortunately, so, so- but it does work that way. Uh, Noel, I'll, I'll just let you know, I, we, we, I didn't interrupt you, but uh, the mic is still the same. So I'm not sure if it could be fixed. But the question I have for you, Scott, and then we'll go to Gareth. But, um, uh, you know, we're seeing this, you talked about dominance going up. So so does that mean like altcoins are lagging? Yeah, or, or you, altcoins? It's, it's the same sort of scenario where people get confused. They say, hey, altcoins are going up. But then you look at Bitcoin and Bitcoin's up more. So that theoretically, the Bitcoin value of your portfolio is dropping, even though the USD value is rising doesn't, uh, doesn't that, so like Bitcoin's up 4%, alter up 1% in USD, but they're down against Bitcoin. It's this continued trend of wanting to be in Bitcoin in this part of the cycle uh, and to avoid altcoins. But the thing is, listen, that requires impeccable timing to get back into them. I think everything is depressed when you look at what's likely for the next three or four years. So that's more of a trading mentality than something you need to, I think, be looking at as an investor interested in getting into this asset class. Before going to Gareth, no, I'm oh, sorry, unmute. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Not saying that. I mean, I I, I covered on my show. It's it's it, in this kind of asset class, which has been moving up only for the last eleven years or whatever the number is. Uh, I mean, I saw a, a tweet by Charlie Belillo, which said Bitcoin's up nine million percent in the last uh, ten year, in the last twelve years since twenty eleven. In this kind of asset class, I'd rather be bullish and wrong on my timing than be bearish and wrong. Because if I'm bullish, you know, I buy it now and my worst case scenario is I'll end up holding it for an extra six months, but, you know, I'm bullish enough to say that the trend continues to go up. If I'm trying to time the market because I'm a, I'm a short and bear, I think the risk for me is just too high. So I'd rather just focus on the, on the bullish and maybe I'll be wrong by two months. Maybe I'll be wrong by three months. Maybe I'll be wrong by six months. But ultimately, I don't really care because my holding period is way longer than that. Gareth? Yeah. So, uh, so thank you guys. Um, so yeah, there's no doubt about it that short term Bitcoin has flipped more on the bullish side. We saw that last Thursday, there was a close on Thursday. Um, we closed on Bitcoin just above 27,000 and that was above a key trend line, right? So short term trend line broken, um, price has spiked. There was a pivot high going back to August 29th, which is kind of right around this 28 two ish level where we're just chopping around. But I still think there's a chance that we could head up to close to 29,000 and, and potentially potentially retest 30,000 in this little bit of a move. And I, I do wonder if there's any correlation with, you know, the, the can being kicked down the road by the U.S. government and then McCarthy potentially getting voted out, which which could bring on even more tumultuous kind of, you know, chaos in Washington, which ultimately leads to chaos in the financial system. Um, and Bitcoin just, again, keeps plugging away. So short term, no doubt about it. It is positive. And then, uh, Ryan, I want to just go back to a question on, on what you said something a, few, a while ago, a raging bull market. Look at what we're seeing now. Um, and, and what we saw in September wasn't as bad as many people um, expected. Um, does that, does that you know, kind of uh, reaffirm your position of we are in a raging yeah, bull market similar yeah. to what Singapore and the East is saying? 
So, I mean, again, like I don't, I mean, I, I covered on my show today. I said, you know, we're, I think we're in the beginning part of a Bitcoin bull market. Maybe we're not at the raging part just yet. I think the beginning of the year was certainly the raging bull market went up over 80% this year, uh, which, which is a big number, even by Bitcoin standards. Um, I definitely think we're in a bull market. I agree with a tweet that I actually saw by Rect Capital. And again, I covered on the show today, but he says we're 25% into the bull market. And, you know, if you think about how bull markets are structured, beginning is slowly, slowly, slowly until everybody buys into it. And when everybody starts buying into it, the end becomes the blow off top or the quickly, quickly, quickly. And so I think where we're at is, you know, I think I kind of agree that we may be 25% to the bull market and the other 75 is to come. And I think the last, the, the most returns will come in the last 25%. Well, no, I think our bull markets are all of seven or eight months in the entire four-year cycle, and we haven't even started the bull market yet. I think we're in a bullish trend and broke the bear market, but I, I think that the true Bitcoin bull markets come, I mean, historically, it doesn't mean it'll repeat, but six or seven months after the halving, right? I mean, that's when you get the parabolic. I think that this is a crab market or a sideways market, but I think it's hard to say that this is Talk 25% into the next bull market. Scott, I want to ask a question about your interview with Hasib. Uh, that I listened to a couple of times. And, uh, you know, he made a good argument that the halving is just a silly myth. And he thinks that bull market will start next year in a year or so. And then he said people will probably link it to the halving, but it has nothing to do with the halving. Do you agree with this? Or has the halving become a self-fulfilling prophecy? I just, I, I just keep listening to different perspectives on this. Yeah, he called it astrology for men, I think, uh, when we were having that conversation and sort of laughed at it. To me, it's a, if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it scenario. Listen, we only have two historical examples really to even look at. Yes, there's been three, but you know, this asset class was so small in the beginning that it is hard to define this as a trend. But I do think there's an element of self-fulfilling prophecy that will play out. And it is a true reduction in new supply. I mean, if there is equivalent or even less than half lower demand, prices should rise after that. It's hard to determine whether that will happen again. But yeah, I mean, even looking at the macro, the election cycle, all the things that are sort of lining up for, for next year, it does make a lot of sense at least to have a thesis that uh, we could we could see that repeat. I would be very surprised <clears throat> to see Bitcoin trading in the 50s and 60s, you know, in the next six months or year. Anything can happen, certainly. But once again, I mean, we've gone from 25 to 28 and we're extremely excited we're not even close to 31 yet, which is, you know, where we'll start talking about even recent highs. Jason? Hey, guys. Uh, I was just going to jump in on the, the bull market topic. Um, I guess it's just more like clarity of where people define a bull market. In, in my trading, the bull market starts from the low and ends at the exact top, just so that you have some measurable parameters that, so that you can then go and do back testing on. But I can we can divide the bull market into different sections and this it is i see it as like the first stage which uh, i think scott said was more like a crab market so you could say well this is the first stage of the bull market or accumulation accumulation you know like if you look at white coffee called accumulation which yeah 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 that, that's that's a good way to look at it as well so like the first stage whereas i think what a lot of people or at least retail look at as the bull market is when things are super exciting but that's typically the end and we've seen in previous cycles that usually lasts about 12 to 13 months um, some might call it seven months or, or shorter, but you sort of see that last approximately 13 months, uh, at least in the last two times, where Bitcoin really starts, does start to explode and then it gets covered in the news and, and that sort of stuff. So I, I typically look at that part as the retail bull market and basically where everyone gets burnt because they've come in late. And I think Ram was saying that it's where the most gains are made. 
Maybe if you're looking at altcoins, yeah. that's the most gains. But if you look at it in terms of percentage, that last 12 months is actually the lowest percentage because obviously we know in terms of mass, well, you, if you get in from the bottom. I think that's a fair assessment. I see what you're saying. When I, when I say bull market, I mean, let, let's take it to the top, not, not you know, till we break down below the line. And we know that what happens, you know, the, the, you almost get like that parabolic shape, you know, where markets kind of like start off slowly, 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 as more people believe it. Eventually, you know, at the, at the last point, you get all the tourists climbing in because they think it's going to be their life changing money. They, they land up losing the most, the most money. Exactly. So that's why, like, I think, I think the way that I, the way that I see it is, if you hold the same thesis that I hold, then rather buy in early and be wrong for a little bit of time. Uh, as long as you're not playing on leverage, you're not paying, you're not paying funding and, 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 and on all those, 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 those things. But rather be wrong in terms of timing and then chill for another month or two months, three months, then try and buy it early. Uh, then, try and, then, then wait and get, get in late because you know, you'll, you'll end up missing most of the market. I, yeah, I, Ren, I, I agree with you. The way that I said on the show today, I said there's two kinds of people in the room right now. There's those that are wondering about when they should get in, and there's those that are starting to plan their exits. And the question is, where do you want to be right now? Now, for me, I'm starting to plan when I'm leaving. I'm starting to plan if we get another meme coin run, if we get another NFT run, and or, you know, it's one of those. That for me is going to be the sign that it's time for me to exit. So I'm starting to plan my exits, my entries. I'm in. And you know, what? maybe I'm wrong. I've I've been in since since the bottom. I've been in since like seventeen thousand. I kind of started going all in, um, and I, it's been pretty it's been pretty public that that I did that. And now for me, it's a, it's a case of planning my exit, not not actually planning my entry. Now, there's still mm. some people that are still planning their entry. I'd rather I, I'd rather hey, if you're getting in now and it goes back down to twenty three, if your long term thesis is the same as everybody else's long term thesis that's probably on this call, then. What's the difference? So you'll wait an extra three months, but at least you're in the game. Yeah, it, it might be. Yeah, I think I was getting caught in the semantics of defining bull market and not in the thesis that you're giving, which I 100% agree with. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, bull market, everybody has a very different definition. It can be technical, it can be fundamental, it can be time based. Um, and I do think we made a very clear bullish trend by getting above 25 and now having held that so strongly. I think that it's certainly a bullish trend. Uh, I think that this is definitely a good time to buy in the same way that Rand sort of said. And I, I've taken the same approach. So I don't want to give the impression I think we're in like a, the depths of a bear market here. Yeah. I think we're just getting ready for the next one and that you still have a lot of time. Definitely not. I think that's more. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to get into semantics either. It's just mostly about the. You know, is it a bull market or not? And I know I had this conversation. I think it was with Coin Bureau on on Twitter, um, where they're saying that this is still a bear market. And I was saying, well, it's the first stage of the bull market because if you still call it a bear market, not to get into semantics, but it mostly comes back to that mindset where people are like, oh, it's still a bear market. Prices are going to keep going down, and people are still expecting a break of twenty two or twenty thousand or fifteen thousand, and so they still think the market's going to go down, and they're not setting themselves up. So it's kind of like that mind game that is played with the words, even though then you start to get into semantics. And you know, as as traders, we're just like, I, I want some clear definitions, but, nice and simple. But in this market, in this market, it's better to be wrong on the bull side than it is to be wrong on the bear side. Time. Like, Ran, that's Ran, That's true in any market in the history. Exactly. Of time, by the way, exactly. Like, that's not, exactly. That's not, unique, but to, that's not unique to crypto. Bears bears require impeccable timing, and they're only right for a very short exactly. Of time. Yeah. Always. And exactly. that's, that's the same for the stock market. Exactly. Obviously. Yeah. You know, we've only saw that 10 months down in the yeah. stock market and now we've gone very close to getting back to new highs. So, you know, I guess we can leave that for the macro talk, but 
yeah, that, that low doesn't seem like it's going to get broken either on the S&P and, and markets are up, which is all good for Bitcoin as well with this macro cycle continuing up. And then going back to the semantics of, of recession calls, I mean, that sort of stumped a lot of people last year and this year because the price just has not gone back down to previous lows. Didn't touch 3,500 again on the S&P. Didn't touch the banking crisis low at 3,800. It didn't even get back to the 4,000 level where it broke out in um, May with the US debt ceiling crisis. You know, we're still at 30, 43 now with a high at 46. And so it's that same sort of pattern of the semantics of like, we're getting into a recession, a soft landing, a hard landing, a 2023 recession, 2024. Guys, guys, could it be, Jason, guys, could could we link the the move that we saw in the last couple of days to the government shutdown being averted? Could it just be as simple as that? Like the market reacting, the markets, they're pretty liquid on the weekend, so it doesn't take much. Look at the the date that you've got. There is a data. If you look at when the candle happened, the candle happened exactly, exactly, exactly. In fact, let me give you the exact minute of when when, when the BTC candle happened. Um, One second. So, okay, I'm looking at my time. So it was it was my time, ten o'clock. It was a candle that went from twenty seven one six five to twenty eight oh five eight. Now, what also happened at that time? The Bitcoin CME futures opened. So as soon as the the Bitcoin CME futures opened, the the candle went up. Now, what that could tell you is that there were a lot of shorts, and the shorts needed to be covered. And when those shorts needed to be covered, why would there have been a lot of shorts? I guess there would have been a lot of shorts because people were expecting the government shutdown. And when the market opened, the CME market opened, the, 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 we had a, a $1,000 candle. A $1,000 candle is indicative of like shorts, shorts, uh, like shorts closing all at once, um, you know, that, that kind of thing. And it happened exactly to coincide with, within two minutes of the CME futures opening. So, I mean, it's you know you want to you want to attribute some of it to potentially the the, the U.S. government shutdown. Yeah, I just think it's curious that then SP you know then stocks are down today, yields are way up, uh, dollar is way up, stocks are down, Bitcoin up. So attaching it to macro, if you're going to make the argument that it's somehow correlated to the moves you would expect in tech stocks or SPX, that uh, of course they're closed on the weekend. But uh, you know, it just uh, it always feels a little bit like chasing chasing price with a narrative when uh, mm. you can just accept that uh, same, we have the same narrative. It goes up every October first, right? Okay, great. Right. Well, if I could just jump in, one quick little thing is there's also a possibility that has to do with yields, right? So we know yields are up again today. We're retesting those highs on the ten year, and we know that in March of this year, as yields pushed up, we saw bank failures, bank runs potentially. And a lot of money's been pulled out of banks. And so the question you could also ask is this is this just the idea that the banking system in the US is being put under extreme stress and money is also heading over towards Bitcoin as a safety play? Um, do you think the banks could fail, Gareth? Like do you think that the, the Treasury and the Fed would allow the banks to fail? I think they've sent a pretty a pretty adamant sign to the market saying, look, we're not gonna let depositors fail. Maybe equity holders will, will fail, but we're not going to let um, depositors lose their deposits. Yeah, I, th- I think as soon as they said depositors won't lose their deposits, that's going to make it so banks don't really fail. But the question is, is how many of these banks are like zombie banks, meaning that they're holding so much dead paper from the commercial real estate bubble that's crashing right now and from bonds going, you know, the rates going sky high is, again, they may not be failed, but they probably are just zombie banks at this point. And I think it ultimately will come to fruition where something bigger happens. And, and again, that just benefits Bitcoin in the longer term, no doubt about it. 
I want to hear Willem's thoughts on this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I've got a specific question for you. Is is uh, you know looking at the Bloomberg headline on the front page? Why U.S. recession is still likely and coming soon? So I'd love to get your thoughts more of a macro perspective, a general overview, and if you can touch on the decoupling we saw between crypto and equities. And Scott hinted at that, and whether that you know something we should look into. Yeah, so so I, to me, I still am not in the belief that the soft landing or no landing narrative is going to play out. Um, again, I think we're seeing strains in the economy, whether it's in the retail sector or it's in the consumer sector with debt or anything like that. So I, I still think that we'll see a recession. But again, so far, the, the markets have stayed strong. And your thoughts on the on the crypto market and the move we saw um, in the last 48 hours? Yeah, it's it's a great move, great technical move. You know, right here we're testing this little area of resistance. I do think we could go as high as thirty thousand. The the big level is going to be that level when we topped out around thirty one thousand seven eight hundred. If we can take that out, then then it's really gangbusters. I think you'll see a lot of power come on board. I do think that it was a kind of a tell last week when we saw all these ETFs getting denied again, or not getting denied, but at least pushed out. That the Bitcoin market did not sell on that, and I think when you see negative news that in the past has caused selling and it didn't cause selling, it kind of tells you that there's accumulation going on there and that you're likely going to see some sort of pop in the near term. I'm still a skeptic whether or not we really are now going to just rip higher and take out the recent highs or if we're going to eventually kind of roll over again. And your thoughts on the on the Ether futures getting approved and a bunch of them launching, I think they're launching today from what I read. Yeah, I don't think to me it's not a huge event. I mean, the the futures it, it's something that we've already seen in Bitcoin, and so so people are very very used to it. I think the spot the spot news is going to be the big one since that's a brand new kind of thing that we haven't we haven't experienced yet. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think anything that goes towards normalizing the crypto markets means that down the road they become more accepted, which means more people invest, and it ultimately helps crypto. And get your thoughts on the on the chair Powell's. Uh... A roundtable discussion uh, on, I think it's on, it's today, is it? Um, either today or tomorrow. Uh, and what we could, uh, you know, how important this is for the markets. Um, and I was reading an article that the markets are just sitting there waiting, the bond yields are waiting on, on what Powell says. What do you expect him to say and how important is it? How much of, of the, the hawkishness has been already priced in? Yeah, I think I think the big question is, and I think he speaks at 11 o'clock today, 11 a.m. Eastern time, so actually not too long off from now, about 15 minutes. But I think the big thing is we've seen such a run in yields. And, and to me, whether we hear about it or not, this is putting immense pressure on the financial system here in the U.S. I mean, it's it's this rise in yields just even in the last week has been enormous for what the system can actually hold. So, so the question is, what does Jerome Powell know is going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of? And does he kind of try to talk yields into kind of calming down this rise right now or or does he just say forget about it let it go and let's let's see what breaks i mean again i'm i'm in the camp that he's reluctant to break anything because that's where things will get out of his control but um but he certainly has remained hawkish and the markets do not like that and yields continue to rise uh jordy i want to go ahead gareth yeah i was just going to jump in go to willem yes i'm curious uh curious what gareth thinks happens if they start trying to play down yields and potentially like hint at not raising rates and try to bring the front down, which will work for the front. But do you think the back of the curve is going to play ball or, uh, or, or maybe like 10 years, 30 years starts to go a bit rogue and just doesn't, doesn't come back down? 
And, and I think that's such a good question because I, I honestly don't know. And I think that's something that the Fed may not even know. And are they playing with fire here where something can really go wrong? And we have, you know, we just don't have a, a short term, you know, financial stress, but an actual crisis that emerges out of this. And I think that's the bigger question. And, and honestly, I don't think from from Jerome Powell's statements in his last press conference after the last meeting, he he kind of said he wasn't really sure the Fed wasn't 100 percent sure what the outcome was going to be of all this. And that's honestly scary. I mean, if you're someone who who is in the U.S. or even globally, you've got to be a little concerned that the Fed doesn't even know what the heck they're doing. Willem, I know we tried to go to you earlier. Uh, got carried away. I would love to hear your thoughts on no, this. I think Willem was just speaking, no? No. Jordan. Uh, here's Willem. Oh, oh my bad. Sorry, Willem. I thought, I thought, yeah, I thought, I thought you were speaking when Jordy was speaking, so I apologize. <laughs> Sorry, guys. No, no problem, guys. Well, you know, I, I come from the precious metal space. Uh, for me, Bitcoin is digital gold. And uh, But when I look at the current market, we have had a very strong rally. We're still in a very strong rally for the US dollar. I think the US dollar is topping out now. Um, we, we could see a market top for the US dollar very soon. And I think uh, after the dollar has stopped, um, we might see a trend change in the precious metal space, but also for Bitcoin. Uh, so Bitcoin will benefit from that change as well. And, um, well, I agree with everything uh, which has been said, you know, the rising yields. It's, it's, we've never seen this before in a situation where we're so indebted, when this mountain of debt, uh, something needs to give, something needs to break. And we've seen a break in March uh, when the regional banks uh, were, were seeing these outflows. And it, it will it, it will get very interesting in the next few weeks and next few months. Yeah, you, could you made we, an interesting. Go ahead, Mario. I was gonna say, could we continue to see a banking contagion with the with the Fed not not reversing course and continuing to be hawkish by the looks of it? Well, we of course know that uh, all uh, bank deposits are 100% guaranteed, more or less, in the US. But we see a strong outflow of deposits into money market funds because of the high yields there. Um, but I think the the contagion has been uh, well. It has been contained, uh, but we know there's an awful amount of paper losses on the bank's balance sheet. So one day we need to, to get, uh, well, we need central bankers to get active to solve that crisis. And what's been very interesting, uh, I've been asked by the OMVIF, which is a monetary think tank in London, to write a piece about the possible gold revaluation to help the central bank balance sheet. So you can see the central banks are getting nervous and they need to fix their own balance sheet and they need to fix the balance sheet of the commercial banks. And I think that crisis is, it might be the next crisis to be solved, but it can also play out a bit later, maybe next year or so. And you, sorry, Scott, one, one last question. So you talk about the, the concern that you have, you talked about the bank balance sheet still having significant losses. You're talking about the duration risk that they face. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, sure. And the higher the yields go, the more paper losses they they, they they have on their uh, on their bond portfolios, and this goes for almost uh, every uh, financial institution in the world, but especially the banks. But even the central banks' balance sheets are uh, seeing huge losses. So this has been a big topic uh, for the Bundesbank in Germany. This has been a big topic here in Europe. Uh, even the Swiss National Bank has huge losses, and you shouldn't forget that the the profits of the Swiss Central Bank were always needed and used to cover the, the budget deficits. So um, th these topics aren't discussed a lot, but these are quite important. Um, 
topics which will uh, make a few headlines in one or two years from now. Yeah, Mario, really quick, Dave and I talk about this quite often, and we were talking about it literally just this morning, but how the United States government, the Fed, needs to control the long end of the yield curve, and they're obviously failing to do that, and I think that that's the risk Willem's speaking to here. I mean, Dave, you could probably speak about it more, but if we consider to see these long-term yields rage, we're going to have massive problems when it, when all this debt needs to be refinanced. I mean, the higher it goes, the worse the situation gets with time. Dave? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's not. Yeah. Can you guys not hear me? We can hear you. Go ahead, Dave. We're here now. Sorry, I just going into my office. So, I mean, Dave, can you yeah, hear us? Can you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go okay, ahead. Sorry. Yeah, we can okay. hear. Yeah, I was just switching from one network to another. <laughs> uh, let's just make sure that yeah, that's why. Hold on. You're good. Bear Go with me. Okay, so you guys can hear. Um, look, it, the reality is, is right now at, at where we are, uh, interest debt service is approaching military, you know, in terms of one of the biggest components of the, uh, of the budget deficit, the re, of, of outlays of the actual budget. If it goes to 7%, which would be normal historically, not extreme. Uh, it would be the biggest line item. It would more or less crowd out almost all discretionary spending. God forbid it goes to 8% and starts getting, you know, overreacting in the other direction. Uh, you're looking at, at, at literally an intractable problem. There have been a bunch of articles that have talked about the notion of a black hole and the event horizon. Because with $33 trillion in debt, it doesn't take a whole lot of interest rate rises before the Fed, before the government literally can't repay and is forced into some sort of, well... Uh, in you know monetary inflationary outcome and you know that that is really you know the core crux of the problem here and so you really have to look at it that way and that's what they're trying to avoid because the alternative is to embrace instead of run away from being like japan who's managed to keep their long-term yields really low to finance crazy debt to gdp for decades And Dave, linking that to crypto, if, if that trend continues, um, how, how do you expect uh, Bitcoin and, the, and the, the ecosystem to respond? Well, I mean, my thesis is Bitcoin is in a classic, not a not a random Mario bull market, but a classic bull market climbing a world, world a wall of worry. I think Bitcoin is literally a play on you know distrust in institutions and failure of institutions that is the goal you know that is not the goal that is literally what it represents sound money in a world where consumer debt has been up and to the right government debt has been up and to the right you look at every single chart and so the answer is that's sort of what you think but remember we always have to remember the size of the market is so small i mean literally Dave, you know, but if <laughs> Dave, if that's the case, then why is gold moving up? Why is gold at 1828? Because my thesis, I believe that over the next 50 years, Bitcoin will demonetize gold the same way gold demonetized silver. Yeah, I believe that too for the next 50 years. I'm, I'm, we are where we are now. And you know, if your theory is that people are starting to hedge a potential broken system, then you know, show you that the, the traditional hedge would, would enjoy some kind of, of of uh, of momentum too and if you look at where the traditional hedge is the traditional hedge is actually on the way down no you're, it's it's a fair point i mean look i, I think that that 
really what we always have to forget, or we always always forget, is the size of the Bitcoin market is so small relative to what it could represent. It effectively, the market is pricing, you know, these moves as much as we like to, to look at them and they, and they matter. You know, we're talking about moving from, you know, the high threes to, you know, maybe maybe it's a small percentage, but the market is pricing at somewhere under 4% of a chance of becoming digital gold, of demonetizing gold. And so a small move in that percentage is a large move in Bitcoin price. And so it, what about are, it's really there's just not a lot of supply because it's kind of like sitting there. What about what about I mean, he has a theory. I mean, again, we, we just kind of force fit theory into why crypto is going up and the markets are going down. But what about the theory that because the government didn't shut down, we didn't lose time in terms of a potential ETF uh, approval and maybe we'll get the ETF approval sooner than we think. Is that? Realistic? Or no, they, that, they, well, delayed well, them, they delayed them. They delayed them ahead of the potential shutdown. So I yeah, but, but I, exactly. I mean, there's no shutdown. I think it's. I, know, I think Rand, they Rand's kicked point them to January. Yeah, but but I think Rand's. Point well, no, they, they delayed them to say Scott. They delayed them to say our next deadline is January. But you know, maybe the like again, I'm I'm, I'm speculating. But what if? You know, they're actually just one month away from giving us approval, and uh, it was going to be two months away because they I shut down. I think it's possible, but uh, yeah, I, I think that it's. I mean, I think that rationally, you could be right, but I think rationally, it's more likely that they were going to delay regardless, want to make sure they delayed so they didn't get passively approved, and mm. that we're just they're, they're just kicking the can further down the road. I will say, if you so, read anything from Eric Balchunas, he said uh, that in this case that the SEC actually asked some of the people filing for more information on the plumbing and the, and the basics yeah. about the, which we've never seen in the past, actually. We've always seen completely uh, sort of passive delays without asking for any more information until it gets to time to approve and then they deny. And this time mm -hmm. they are actually asking questions. So maybe it is slightly different this time. But but my feeling is that uh, Gensler is going to want to kick this can as far down the road as he can. But they're not going to be able to do that past January because ARC is going to need an answer in January. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I, I do think. I mean, I'm watching the market. I'm, I'm watching the markets, and, and 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 like everything is looking like crypto should be collapsing at the moment. Like the spike that we got in in the Dixie today is. I mean, that, that candle is a scary, scary, scary candle. If you yeah. look at the gold price, the gold price down. If you look at 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 uh, actual markets. You got the ten-year yield up 0.1%. If you look at the, okay, the Nasdaq is is, is flat-ish now, but I mean, there's no reason at all why crypto should be defying this trend. And yet here we are. And crypto Here's the reason, and, and money budging. Here's the reason. It's the one I've always given. I have never believed, except for at short temporary moments that Bitcoin and the crypto market are correlated to macro markets. I've never changed my tune on that. And I've always kind of joked that we'll probably in a year. No, regardless, look back. But, but regardless if you believe it, that, 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 that and crypto are, are, are correlated to the NASDAQ, whatever else, and for certain periods they have and certain periods they have been. But you, you can't deny that when Dixie gets stronger, Bitcoin should go down. Like, that's, I, that's like, I can't. I can deny that. I don't disagree with you. I think that that's the common narrative. But I can deny that because if you look at the chart of the four-year cycle, whether it's astrology or not, this is exactly where we should be in this part of that cycle, regardless of the macro, and has been every time, regardless of the macro. I'm not saying this is or isn't the argument, but the four-year cycle has repeated over and over and over again, and that's happened when rates are up, when rates are down, when dollars strong, when dollars weak. 
right? And that's why I sort of joke that in a year you could have fallen on your head. Maybe price will be, you know, Bitcoin will be 45, 50,000 on its way up. And we'll look back and say, wow, we spent a lot of time talking about Fed and Powell and rates and the dollar and credit events. And none of it mattered because we're in the exact same spot in the four-year cycle as we always were. Maybe I'll be completely proven wrong, but it's happened the last two times. This could be the third. Uh, what it's I... not reacting to the dollar because it never really did. It's just that, that we were in a bear market in the four-year cycle. This time happened to be at the same time as stocks were crashing, going through a bear market. But if you ignored all of that, that's when crypto still should have been in a bear market. Let, 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 me, necessarily... let me change the question. And Jordi, has... uh, go ahead, Jason. I'll just add it quickly. It doesn't, uh, just to, to Rand and Scott there, it doesn't necessarily have to be the exact day that it has to correspond to what the, what the dollar is doing. Because if you look at when the dollar peaked out in September of 2022, it took a while at that top for it to distribute before it broke down in November when Bitcoin bottomed. And then, you know, we know Bitcoin, that was the low of the cycle and Bitcoin's been up since that point. So maybe the dollar's topping out at the moment. I, I've got a pretty strong resistance level at around 107.2 being the 50% level there. So in case it's doing a little bit of distribution here, which it's been on a pretty strong run, that's maybe a sign that, this little this little move's got a temporary end. Not saying the end, but maybe a temporary end. Then that could be also, you know, if you, if you wanted to put like a technical reason to it, then maybe there might be some weakness coming soon for the dollar, and Bitcoin will start to shine again. So, Jason, Jason let me ask you a question, and Jordi and others. Maybe Jordi can go first. Actually, um, what do you expect for the rest of October and the rest of the year? Then, rest of October, yeah. we're we talking oh, Bitcoin, sorry. dollar, stock markets, real estate. Uh, mainly Bitcoin and crypto, uh, but you can also touch on the stock market and the dollar. Uh, Bitcoin, I think we'll probably see higher prices. I don't know if we're going to break out of this 32K zone just yet, but I, I'm definitely on the, the bullish side that this is uh, probably a bit more upside here. And potentially those lows have been tested. I'm waiting for $28,400 to get consolidation above that. And that's going to be my signal that uh, the lows are probably in and we won't see under 25K. Yet, 132K is broken. Yeah, we're not seeing under under 25. And I've said all along for, for months and months and months that we're not going to see under 20K and probably, yeah, and the cycle low is in. Um, for the stock markets, I, I suspect for the end of the year, we're going to see higher prices again. And I think we'll get very close to a new all-time high on the stock markets later this year or first oh, wow. half of 2024. And then for real estate, I mean, those things, Australia just recorded eight months up straight um, the US, which is what everyone's mostly interested in, I think that's up five months straight now. So there's still a couple of good years left in the bull market, but there is going to be an almighty crash after that. I just think most people have got the timing wrong and they're expecting a crash in 2023. They're expecting it uh, last year and they're expecting it next year. But I think they've been they've been expecting it. They've been expecting it every year for the past what since 2008. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's it's, it's there's how Right now, where are Michael Burry puts? What's, does anyone have a devaluation on, on Michael Burry's uh, puts? You know what? I don't think he was actually far off the top on that last round of them. Also, it was extreme hyperbole, the amount that people said he had in the puts when you actually broke it down. Yeah, that was misleading. Tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, but billions. I mean, I think but people I, have got... I think he actually... There are people that are tracking this, obviously, with certain assumptions. I know they're on TikTok. I just don't know which account they're Certain, they make certain assumptions, like they make an assumption that he's holding and they make an assumption which, which expiry they, they, they bought, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if someone in the, in the audience actually has the, the, the data, let, let, me, let us know either DME, Mario, Scott, 
Uh, I'd have to know where those puts are. But more importantly, when before- is he going to get out? Because that was his problem in 2005, right? And he was trying to short the market all the way up. And I guess he was lucky that he was using other people's money. And one more question, Jason, that no one gonna, is going to care about other than me before we go to Jordi. Um, it's because I'm selfish. So, so I have a, obviously, I'm from Australia and I have a business there and, and I care a lot about the economy. I very, very briefly. NFTs. I thought you were going to ask about I literally NFTs. thought he was going to ask about NFTs. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, about I didn't think you were from Australia. Very, yeah, Melbourne, man. Okay. How is the economy doing? Because obviously that impacts my business significantly because my team is like blaming low sales constantly on the economy. I'm like, shut the hell up. Like, <laughs> it's the easiest excuse. Is the economy improving in Australia? But keep it brief because not many people give a shit. Yeah, I'd just say yes. Everyone's looking for staff. And if they're talking crap, I don't think they're, they're working hard enough. Okay, cool. All right. I've got a call with them later today then. <laughs> All right, tell uh, me about it. Cool. Uh, Jody, your thoughts on the rest of October and the rest of the year? Yeah, I mean, I'm baffled by what Scott was talking Jordy? about. Yeah, can you, uh, can you cool. hear me? I can hear you now. Yeah, so yeah, like go. he's saying uh, yeah, you know, man, there's no now. correlation go. between... Uh, yeah, so if crypto doesn't have correlation, like uh, Scott, do you, do you think it's not a macro asset or on the way to be a macro asset? Or um, you think it's just like a sort of like a meme? I think it will become much more highly... I think it will obviously become much more highly correlated if we see a spot ETF approval and, and more institutional adoption. I just think that historically... If you zoom out on any meaningful time frame and do the mathematical correlations, they're extremely low. And the only times that they were extremely high was when everything was crashing. And so people say, listen, it was extremely high and a risk-off event makes sense. But if you just zoomed out and looked at the four-year cycle, that's exactly what Bitcoin should have been doing at that time and has done at that point in the cycle every single time. But I mean, if you look at the 10-year correlation to Bitcoin to stocks or the 15, you know, 12-year or the five-year, even over a year, there's, I mean, they're always, you know, point one or below, not correlated. I mean, it's just factually true by any definition if you look at it. But like, you, you know, get this anecdotal evidence that people look at. And they freak out, and it's literally just not the case. I, listen, I believe that if there's a massive, there, you know, event, there might have been a there might have been a Bitcoin ticker twelve years ago in two thousand ten, and it, you know, might have had a price, but it's not the same asset. It might might have had the same name. But it's I agree. That's why I said the cycle is different. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's equivalent to what we call Bitcoin now, which is Harry Harry Potter, Obama, Shiba Inu Bitcoin. You know, like it's that size. Like it was that size back then, right? Like it was less than a billion. Now we're talking about something that. If you're starting to it's be like still Bitcoin's know, what six hundred billion? It's nothing. Yeah, it, it's, nothing. it's small, but it's not. It's not like irrelevant. Like there are billionaires I, in the world. I'm not know, saying like, it's uh, irrelevant. I'm just saying that you can even just do the mathematical correlation right now. I mean, there's articles being written about it. It's sub point one. Like there is no at this exact moment, depending on the time frame, there is no correlation between stocks and Bitcoin. There just isn't, or the dollar, or no inverse correlation between the dollar and Bitcoin at this moment. And there's been way more times in history, whether back then or now, that it's been uncorrelated than it has been correlated. And it's seemingly the narrative always fixates on the correlation when it happens. Uh, But to me, that's a random walk in the park. Correlated sometimes, uncorrelated. You you can't make the argument that it's a correlated asset when most of the time it isn't, both mathematically and by just common sense and looking at it. I I would say right now that we haven't had a huge... Uh, equity move, you know, it's been it's been relatively within range, and I agree with you on something. Like, I think that right now the thing that's driving the crypto market is, you know, it's probably like these uh, ETF games trying to get the timing right, and then there's a lot of money being bet on liquidations, and who's going to liquidate FTX estate? Who's going to liquidate, you know, all these other uh, kind of coins that have to get liquidated? 
all the big funds are basically like trying to keep an eye on Genesis, on Galaxy and, and, you know, trying to figure out what the timing is. And I would say that what we're seeing today in the last few days is probably some people got offside trying to short too early, thinking that we were just going to have a, a huge dump on the market of all these coins, all these Solana coins. This is why Solana's pumped the hardest. And this is yeah. kind of like what shows my thesis is that people just kind of assume they were going to quickly dump them and they wanted to front run it. And now that it's obvious that they're going to take their time, uh, we've just had a short squeeze. That's what it looks yeah, like. Yeah. So do you think do you think that a Vegas casino is correlated to the stock market? Because what you're describing is the obvious casino that is crypto, and that it's largely speculators, ninety nine percent driven by traders, and literally has nothing to do with what's happening in stocks. It's a bunch of traders, as you said. I agree with you that are speculating on what is likely to happen, and short squeezes and long squeezes, right? Whales right, I agree. moving price, I, no. and none of that has anything to do with the Fed. Fair, fair enough. I, I, but of course, you know, in two thousand eight, when we had a global crisis, Las Vegas was like a deserted, and like buildings were were just being left unfinished. Yeah, so Vegas is the most crowded it's ever been right now. <laughs> right now, yeah, yeah. So it depends on the size of the macro. Ultimately, you know, I think if we have a huge stock market crash or a huge debt crisis, you know, there will be repercussions, right? I, I agree. I think every, all correlations in those events, we all know in a risk-off or credit event, all correlations very temporarily go to one. But my point is that that is a very small percentage of the time in Bitcoin's history and that whether coincidence or not, that's happened at the correct part of the cycle for Bitcoin every single time so far. So it's hard to draw, I think, any dramatic conclusions when those correlations are temporary and timed kind of uh, coincidentally. What do you we call a see. temporary correlation, Scott? What, what do you call temporary? What do you call long-term? I mean, I think you if you're looking at true correlations, you have to be looking at, you know, six months yearly uh, higher correlations than that. You can't look at a, you know, 15 day rolling correlation and make grand conclusions about it being a generally correlated macro asset. And it's just never correlated on the longer term timeframes. Yeah, I see David just jumped on. Uh, guys, uh, uh, David, I want to get your thoughts on the discussion. And, and the last question I'm asking the, the panel before we go through the news of the week or the news of the day, sorry, and, and wrap up, is your, your expectations for, for today and for the rest of the – sorry, for this month and the rest of the year? Uh, you know, I was hoping for a government's shutdown relative to, to Bitcoin. Uh, I was interested in seeing what would happen, if anything. Um, but now we won't have that. Uh, in terms of my target by year end, it was 50,000. I think I'll have to go ahead and be uh, a little less uh, optimistic. I think uh, end of the year, I think, um, you know, I think September is generally a bad month. I think crypto weathered September relatively well, uh, certainly vis-a-vis -vis the overall markets. And, you know, from now until the end of the year, unless there is some major disruptive event um, you know, I, I expect that, you know, it'll grind high, higher. Um, you know, I think we're going to have to wait for the ETF probably until next year. Cool. Uh, I think this is it, Scott. Uh, I'll read the, let me, let me yeah, just recap the, yep. yeah, I, I was going to read, let me recap the news of the, the day as well. Just some, again, things that get ignored, but I think really interesting tomorrow and uh, this week, I'm going to get John Reed Stark on stage, uh, because I want to discuss something he said, and, and Bitcoin.com put out an article, and the heading is Trump may change his crypto stance dramatically. Uh, and I'll read out the first uh, sentence, first paragraph. The SEC's former head of, so, so John Reed Stark, who is the former 
head of internet enforcement at the SEC and a regular guest here said that Trump's anti-crypto stance may change dramatically. So you further predicted that if a Republican is elected as a, as a president, a Republican appointed SEC chair would at a minimum approve a Bitcoin ETF and quote, may even slow down considerably SEC crypto related enforcement efforts, which John has talked about this on the stage, but I want to dig into it further as the elections uh, get near. I think it'll be a really interesting topic uh, to discuss. Three other pieces of news. I'll talk about the most important one that, again, not many people are paying attention to. And everyone's talking about the government shutdown and the market improving, including us. And that Brazil has rolled out blockchain-based digital ID. They've talked about it before, and they started rolling it out already. So Brazilians will soon be using blockchain tech. It's more of a centralized blockchain. It's not, you know, they're not using a, a decentralized uh, 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 layer one or layer two that we all know, but still, it's a step in the right direction for digital identity. So the government recently announced. Um, that's on a positive note, um, and it would be good to have. Um, who's the guest that was? Um, I'm really bad with names, guys. Who's that? Like, Vinny. Be great to have Vinny on 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 this topic. Um, on a on a negative note, Brazil is also working on a CBDC, uh, which. The article says, I'm going to read out from the article, which will allow a central authority. And that's it's actually not from the article. That's the, lo the developer of the Brazilian CBDC says the following. The CBDC will allow a central authority to freeze funds or reduce balances. I love how the audacity of just admitting that so openly. Um, two other pieces of news, um, something not too major, but just shows the sentiment on the East towards cryptos that Coinbase has secured a, a payment license in Singapore. And they, they, that's after... Um, who else secured on blockchain.com did revolut did and there's a whole bunch of applications over 180 applications um that are being reviewed uh, by various crypto companies um so again just shows the adoption in the east um and regulators not acting the way the sec is in the us and lastly something just for any uh, projects and any uh, marketers in the in in crypto the fca so the, the whatever federal, federal whatever authority in the uk uh, so it has already set expectations of a crypto marketing rule that's coming that's coming in effect in six days. Um, so something to pay attention to as including projects that are based outside the UK that are advertising to UK customers or marketers as well. Uh, because anyone who continues to promote crypto assets without following these rules uh, by the 8th of October may be committing a criminal offense punishable by an unlimited fine unlimited fine or up to two years imprisonment. So, uh, you know, you got to go through the, the, the rules um, and things like Incentives like refer a friend bonuses, I think they're banned completely. Uh, you've also got, um, uh, sorry about the phone ringing. You've also got uh, Jennifer's calling Mario. Oh, you could hear the name. Fuck. <laughs> okay. Uh, you've also got crypto marketing labeled with prominent, so you have put prominent risk warnings, um, and you must not inappropriately incentivize people to invest. So just a lot of rules to follow. Carlo, have you looked into it further? Maybe you can give a bit of uh, uh, a, a bit more information on this. No, I was just going to circle and say, don't forget the biggest headline with respect to crypto and crime SBF. is the SBF trial is starting tomorrow in a Manhattan federal court. Jury selection to begin tomorrow. It's going to bring us a lot of minutes. content. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, guys. I, I tweeted. 60 minutes. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm literally tweeting about them right now. Um, so so um, my tweet is not about 60, the interview itself, but it's, uh, you know how Biden, I tweeted about it a couple of days ago that Biden was uh, criticizing Elon and X for misinformation. Um, but then 60 Minutes just got community noted for, for, for saying just, you know, painting SBF in like a positive light um, and not as a fraudster and community notes corrected 60 Minutes. I'm, I'm about to post about that, making fun of them. But also I, I posted that the, the, the producer or the writer of, of the big short said that, um, SBF was looking into paying Trump $5 billion so he doesn't run for president. I don't know if that's legal. 
Um, I don't know if he that would have actually. He didn't have. Wasn't that in the last cycle though? What a what a big loss of money that would have been. He lost anyways. Mm, so so five billion dollars. Um, uh, yeah, sorry. Um, I'm just. Hey Mario, can I make a comment on what you said about uh, Trump with John Reed start coming? That I think is really interesting. I, I think that uh, the nuance there, and we'll get into it in the future shows, is that Trump doesn't have to change his tune. If you see regime change and the Republicans win. Uh, to what John Reed Stark spoke about last time is that Hester Peirce, as the senior Republican currently on the SEC, would be at least interim and acting SEC commissioner until they appoint a new one. That can happen, in, as he said, in a week, a month, six months, a year. But just by default, with regime change, the senior the senior um, commissioner from the other from the winning party basically becomes the de facto commissioner. So there's no question, even if Trump hated Bitcoin, if Republicans win, Hester Peirce basically becomes the SEC commissioner, at least for a temporary time. We know that she would, I mean, she's dissented publicly to every single action that Gary Gensler has taken. So it's not hard to take the jump of faith that she would slow all those actions and start to do more crypto-friendly things. I mean, it's a just factual. Ariel, if I could jump in on the other side of that, not to dispute what Scott's saying in the longer run, but in the short term, one of the things that happened last week that was important was the fact that Lena Khan, even the, the chairwoman of the FTC uh, in charge of antitrust issues, uh, went ahead and even after getting smacked down pretty broadsidedly in the Microsoft Activision merger, has decided to go ahead and appeal that decision, which I think lots and lots of people that are experts in the space think is a losing argument, nevertheless still going on with her crusade. So the hopes that we have that Gensler constantly getting beaten down in court and making his leash a bit shorter with respect to how much he is being given by the administration to, you know, in a way, waste taxpayer money uh, going after uh, regulation by enforcement may be too hopeful. Uh, we may yeah, see Gensler I, continue to go down that path. I, I 100% think we see Lena Khan and Gensler continue down their paths because that's their mandate. And they're, they're not being judged in the court of public opinion. They're being judged by Elizabeth Warren and the people who have put them in their position of power. And they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. So I, I don't disagree with that. And that's why I kind of pointed to regime change, not sentiment that's going to do that, right? So it, it would it would take an, an election and a switch in power. I think that Gensler and Lena Khan, I think these people are going to continue their anti-tech uh, anti -tech crusade come hell or high water uh, until the, it becomes so politically unpopular or until their overlords tell them that it's not the case. I mean, you guys may have seen, I mentioned this this morning, did you guys see all the articles that seemingly hit this week saying that uh, basically the, you'll remember the repeated FUD we've always had about Bitcoin and the environment, that we're boiling the ocean, that uh, it's using up all the energy, you know, more than a great big country. A slew of articles came out this week saying the same thing about AI. You guys, I don't know if you guys saw it or missed it, but AI will boil the ocean. A AI is going to use more power than all of Europe and the processing of chat GPT. So it's literally the exact same repeat arguments against any emerging tech. This is just a very anti-tech administration, very anti-tech sentiment. And they're going to come for AI and mergers, as David said, the same way that they came for Bitcoin with the same narratives. Cool. Any any final? Uh, so tomorrow we're going to cover the SBF trial, by the way, guys, and we're going to talk. Is this going to be the, like OJ Mario? I mean, I don't know if anyone else was around when OJ, but it's all we talked about for you know weeks at a time. Are we just does it get broadcast with this? 
Does it get broadcast? I don't know. No, oh, it's was. it's federal court, and they will not allow cameras or any photography in the courtroom. So you'll have reporters that will be positioned in the courtroom, and they'll probably be posting on social, but no live coverage. Yeah, similar to what we when you remember, guys, when we covered the. Uh, um, the, 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 when, when SBF was sentenced to go to jail for interfering in the investigation right. when he tr- was communicating with his ex-girlfriend about – or when he leaked her journals to the New York Times. Um, so that was done without, without, without any broadcasts, and we just covered it. There was a, a journalist inside that was sending out live updates, and we are just covering it. I think, Scott, you were there. I don't know if Ryan was. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's similar to that. I'm actually going to be in New York uh, speaking at the New York State Bar Association's Digital Asset Global Conference uh, in October, and I plan to attend at least one day of the trial. Perfect. Yeah, we'd love awesome. you to I come on, Carlo, and cover it. Yeah, that'd be great. Cool. All right. I think on that note, no, oh, note yeah. on that note, tomorrow we'll be covering yeah the the, the John Reed Stark story on on uh, a Republican presidential candidate and what that means for crypto, bullish, and um, the, uh, the 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 SBF, SBF. Uh, trial. Yeah, Brian. Perfect. You got tomorrow. So, see you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Bye.